Welcome skiers and riders to episode two of the Killington Download Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cash. In this episode, I sit down with mountain maintenance manager, Tim Brosnan. We talk to Tim about exactly what a mountain maintenance manager does, why ice storms and lifts don't mix, and we find out his favorite lift in Vermont isn't a Killington. And we wrap this podcast up by checking in with President and General Manager of Killington, Mike Salamano. We ask Mike about opening day excitement, learn what a wet bulb is, and dive into what makes Killington's skiers and riders so passionate. First up on the podcast, I'm joined by Amy Laramie, Director of Communications, Events, and Special Projects for Killington Resort. Amy, welcome back to the Killington Download Podcast. Thank you for having me back. I had a great time last week. That's really great to hear. We had a we had a good time as well. Amy, what can visitors to Killington expect in the coming weeks? Yeah, so today is the day after Halloween, which is very exciting. We had a great Halloween party at the Wobbly Barn, and temps are cooling off. So the team is starting to get butterflies in their stomach, getting ready for that to-be-determined opening day. Um, For the listeners out there, this is recorded on Monday. Um, So who knows, by the time you're listening, we might have announced an opening day, but really excited to get that snowmaking back up and running in Northridge and over on Superstar for the World Cup. But the next couple of weeks outside of getting the resort open, we have the Loaded Turkey Rail Jam back on the calendar for this year. It will be in our Woodward Mountain Park pop-up park on Lower Conclusion. Um, So really excited to get that rail jam back on the calendar after a season off. And the winners take home all the turkey fixings that you need for a great Thanksgiving feast. So a fun rail jam just to kick off early season and get people back riding in the parks. After the rail jam, we're going to head into Thanksgiving and we'll kick off Thanksgiving week for the Home Light Killington Cup with the 10th annual Killington Turkey Truck. That's a community event. It's a 5K walk run, and proceeds go to benefit local charities. So if you're looking to get out and exercise before you eat that big turkey feast, sign up for the turkey trot. It's a great day um, on the Killington Roads. And then, obviously, Home Light Killington Cup, we're really excited for its return. Um, We found out last week that there's actually 24 countries signed up to come and compete at this year's World Cup. That's the most countries we've ever seen um, with some brand new ones um, on the horizon with about just under 100 athletes competing. We think there's great excitement with it being an Olympic year this year um, and really excited to have those athletes race on Superstar. Again, although we're not kicking off Friday, with our bid presentation and fireworks, we still have a really exciting vendor village for all attendees as well as entertainment. We plan to announce entertainment early next week, um, shooting for that November 8th date. So please stay tuned for our entertainment acts that will be happening on the Bud Light Seltzer concert stage. Um, just a reminder for the Home Light Killington Cup, if you are coming this year, Please remember your mask that will be needed on public transportation and all of the shuttles. Um, You will also need a ticket, but again, the general admission entry fee is only $5 and the proceeds from general admission go to the Killington World Cup Foundation. In order to enter that venue for this year, you will also need to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours. 
Although we are uh, limiting the crowds this year, we do still expect to have a very energetic and um, pretty large crowd for outdoors with many people wanting to stand in a similar location in order to view the venue. So we wanna make sure we have a safe event for all attending. All right, just for reference, uh, this podcast is being recorded uh, Monday, November 1st. And Amy, what, uh, what was the date on the turkey trot again? The Killington Turkey Trot is on Thanksgiving Thursday, so November 25th. And the Rail Jam again? What, what date was that? And the Rail Jam is Saturday, November 20th. November 20th. Okay, there we have it, folks. Everything that's coming up in uh, the month of November at Killington. Amy, thanks again for the updates. As always, you can get all of the latest happenings at The Beast through the Killington app for your phone. If you haven't downloaded already, make sure you do. Also, make sure you follow Killington on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for some fun, fresh content. I'll have links to all that below in the show notes. Thanks for your time, Amy, and we'll check in again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you guys on the slopes. Our next guest, I'm very excited to welcome Tim Brosnan to the second episode of the Killington Download podcast. Tim's been an employee here at Killington for 16 years and started as a lift ops team leader. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. How many jobs have you had here at Killington over those 16 years? Uh, this is my fourth position since I've started here at Killington. Fourth position, yes. How many positions? So do you remember each one? Sure, yeah. So I started as the lift ops team leader. I went from there to lift maintenance supervisor, then lift maintenance manager, and now on the uh, mountain maintenance manager. How did you get your start in the ski area business? So before coming to Killington, I worked at a ski area in Vernon, New Jersey called Mountain Creek. I was a, a lift operator there for three seasons before uh, moving up here to Vermont. And how did you pick Killington? Actually, I had a buddy who lived in Keene, New Hampshire. I was staying with him and kind of bumming on his couch and looking for jobs up here. And uh, started my working way north, and Killington was the first job that offered me anything more than a basic lift operator position. So that's what brought me here originally. Mountain maintenance manager. What does that entail? What, what, uh, what does a mountain maintenance manager do? Sure. So I'm in charge of the lift maintenance department, lift electrical, uh, and then also the vehicle maintenance department. So basically everything that moves around the mountain um, is what I'm in charge of, or in charge of the crews that maintain that machinery. The groomers, the snowmobiles, four-wheelers, trucks, ski lifts, so. Logically, you would you might think that it's the wintertime is your really busy time, but it isn't. No, not at all. Um, so especially with lift maintenance, the summer months are when we're doing the majority of the maintenance. There's a lot of stuff that's required by the state or the manufacturers or um, national code. Uh, and even the same with vehicle maintenance, you know, they're maintaining the groomers and everything during the winter months, doing services, that sort of thing. But the summer, that's when you really tear the machines down, take the tracks off, go through all the different components. So a lot of work in the summer as well. So, so summer, basically even busier than the winter. Summer into fall are probably our busiest months. So something else I've learned about you is that about 10 years ago, you were involved in building the walkway from the top of the gondola down to the uh, top of the Northridge quad now. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, that was a really uh, unique and, and fun experience building that. There was a probably a small crew, I think 10 or 12 of us that were on the build regularly. And uh, it was just a lot of camaraderie. And we had to carry all the parts in, carry all the our tools and everything in and out every day. Uh, it was a really sensitive area because of how high elevation it is. So we had to do everything we could to not disturb any of the vegetation or anything as we built it. And, um, and in the end, we got it done rather quickly and we're able to open early that year and every year since. So it's, it's a really rewarding job. It's a really nice addition to the resort. And, uh, you know, like you said, it allows, allows for some really early skiing and riding. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what makes us the earliest in the East. Sure. The beast, years, so. the beast of the East. Right. Um, another part of your job is, or maybe was, uh, de-icing lifts during significant icing events. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what goes into de-icing a lift and, and why maybe ice is even bad. Can, can you t- kind of tell us why is ice bad for a lift? So the, the main thing that happens with the ice is it builds on everything. So it'll build on the shivs, on the haul rope, you know, basically all the parts of the tower and that sort of thing the grips of the chairs and depending on the temperatures or how the ice builds, it can be so solid that it won't allow the shivs on the towers to turn. The hall rope will be glazed over grips for like detachable lifts get iced up and then they don't go in and out of the terminals as they're supposed to. Let's take a quick step back. What is a shiv? What is a hall rope? I mean, I, I, I think I know what a hall rope is, but what's a shiv? So the shiv is the wheel, I guess, for lack of a better term, that the haul rope rides on, on the towers. So there's a, a metal or an aluminum shiv with a rubber liner, and then the, the haul rope is the main cable of the lift, and that uh, is supported by the shivs on the towers. So so when I'm going over, when I'm in a chair and I'm, we're going over a lift tower and you're, that's the chair going over the, or the chair's attached to the haul rope and the haul rope is going over the shiv. That's correct. And the shiv spins. Yes. And if I'm understanding correctly, if it's frozen solid, the shiv does not spin. The haul rope flies over it and either will wear a spot or completely go through the rubber. That's correct. Yeah. So we call it like a flat spot. Mm-hmm. So pretty quickly, if the shiv isn't turning, the weight of that haul rope running over it will make a flat spot in that rubber very quickly. The minor aspect of that would be it makes for an uncomfortable ride because it pounds on the haul rope and shakes kind of the whole line. And then a worse, more lasting effect would be that it will beat up the bearings on the shiv and wear parts down. So what does it take to get the ice off? A hammer. A hammer. <laughs> okay, good answer. Um, let's say a, a big significant weather event came through and there's ice coated the mountain. Uh, how do you go about de-icing the lifts? Because there's a lot of lifts. There sure are. We usually break into teams of three or four guys, and we'll start with like a K1 or signature lifts, like K1 of the six pack on the north side, and we'll work our way across. Um, and basically what you do is you have one guy that's the main operator of the lift, and he'll be listening to the radio, and the other two or three guys are spread out on the line. It starts by just calling for a bump when we're in position. Bump the lift, say, 20 50 feet um, to so, see. So when you say bump, you mean just start the lift yep. so it moves. Yep. Okay. Yep. Move yep. the lift, uh, say 20 or 50 feet 
and that gives us a chance to see if the shivs are so iced up that they won't spin. And then if they don't spin, um, you call the person that's in charge of the, of the lift and basically create a lockout. Um, then we climb the tower, knock the ice off. When we're clear, we'll ask for another bump, another 20-foot movement of the lift so we can see if things are free to move, climb down, go to the next tower, kind of just repeat the process as we work our way, usually from the top down because that's where the worst ice is. And then when we clear one lift, we go on to the next and the next. So you're climbing up these lift towers Mm -hmm. that are coated in ice. Mm -hmm. There has to be a ton of safety equipment going on. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So you're fully harnessed in. Um, a, A big part of our safety program is just the drive operator and his awareness, his training, the communication between him and the guys that are actually on the tower is really, really critical. Also training of the guys that are doing the de-icing, making sure that they know um, body positioning, you know, how, what areas are going to move where it's safe to position yourself. And, and besides really the, the harness footwear, like uh, uh, spikes on your feet or crampons, depending sure. on the condition of the ice. Yep. And a hammer. What kind of hammer? So what I use is an old framing hammer with the waffle ground down. And I, I used to do a lot of framing when I was in lift operations. So one of the teeth of the claw on the back broke off. So it's got like a little nub. Everybody's kind of got their own way of doing it or what yeah. they like. Yeah. I like the framing hammer because it gives me a little extra reach. Gotcha. Maybe there's an ice event and then there's six inches of snow on top and people are chomping at the bit. They have the powder fever and they're waiting at the K1 and they don't understand why the lift's running or it might, you know, open 10 minutes late. It's because people like you and your your team are up there on top of the lift towers in, you know, icy lift towers, just making it safe for them. Yes, absolutely. That, I mean, that's our main goal with everything in lift maintenance is guest safety, right? Making sure that the lift is safe to operate for them to, to load it and get up the hill and do what they love. Your team, and, and I know you have a little different position now, but mm-hmm. um, the the lift mechanic team seems like a very tight-knit group, and they take a bunch of pride moving skiers and riders up the mountain. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here at Killington, we have, Killington and Pico, we have 30 lifts and about 18 mechanics plus seven lift electricians, um, and absolutely, they take a lot of pride in the work that they do. Uh, it's a really unique job. And, I mean, that goes for every ski area, not just here at Killington. Sure. So you said seven electricians. Uh, these these newer lifts are highly advanced and technical um, machines. Can you talk to absolutely. the electricians? Yeah, I mean, our basic old fixed grip, something like Snowden Triple, um, not as many moving parts, so not as many switches monitoring all those different actions that a lift has. Uh, something like our new six-pack, I think, has uh, seven variable frequency drives, for example, where a lift like Snow Triple would have one. Would you say you had a mentor here at Killington to help you, you know, guide you through this career? Uh, absolutely, yeah. There's a, a few different ones uh, through the years, but definitely Gene Syria would be a, a big mentor of mine since I've come to lift maintenance, for sure. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he's been here almost 40 years. 40, I th- He's 44 or 45 no this kidding. year, I think. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So what, what keeps you here at Killington? I, I would say a lot of what keeps me here is the variety, really. Um, when it comes to lift maintenance, there's different challenges every day, like de-icing or, like you said, the electrical issues. There's a lot of different moving parts. Also, just 
the the culture of working at a ski area you know the the ability to go out and ski regularly take a snowmobile to the top of the mountain uh, often and four-wheelers and different things like that so there's a lot of different things to enjoy when working here so the job isn't all about being up on the mountain in horrible icy conditions it's it probably lends itself to some other great cool moments as well yeah i mean there's definitely something to be said just for the scenery in general right like you know well you have those mornings where it's all clouded in and things like that but sometimes you're above the clouds so the, so those are some of the coolest mornings where maybe the only thing you see is it looks like little islands in the distance the sun is up so down below us is all clouds and looks like a miserable day, but you get up to a certain elevation and it looks like you're looking over the ocean or something like that with sure. a couple little peaks. I bet, I've been up at the peak a few times when you have the undercast and they're, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the undercast and uh, it's just, it's just magical. It's really kind of cool. Maybe see, maybe see Pico kind of popping out. Yeah, that's um, right. right. Um, got a couple of kind of more fun, fast questions. Fixed grip or detached? Fixed. Why? From a maintenance standpoint, it's so much easier, so many less working parts. Sorry, so many less moving parts. Sure. So it's a lot easier to maintain. Uh, I don't know. I enjoy the lift ride too, right? It's a little moment to relax. You know, I don't mind the slower lift sometimes because it's, it's just, I, I don't mind riding the lift, you know. People right. people want some, some people are really anxious to get to the top and rip more runs. But for me, it's kind of just like being outdoors and, and on the mountain. Right, exactly. And another thing would be, you know, on a busy day when there's a huge line at K1 or the six pack, you can jump right on the triple or Canyon quad or that sort of thing. So speaking of the six pack, uh, it's like the Cadillac of, right. of chairs, right? Like it's sure. cushy chairs and the, it's got a bubble. Keep you, keep the elements out. Yeah. Um, what's your take on the, on the six pack as a customer? Sure. I like it. Okay. Uh, it's nice to pull the bubble down every now and then on the cold days from a maintenance standpoint. It's a lot, a lot of work. Um, just with the bubble, uh, the design of the chair and everything like that, there's a lot more maintenance that has to go into it. And um, it, it takes our crew quite a bit of time to do that. And How, how many total lifts here at Killington? With Pico is 30. 30. Yeah. Wow. And you have only a, a team of how many mechanics? Uh, 18. 18. More lifts than mechanics. Yes. Mm. Right. Well, you, you know, you factor in some of them are... Uh, like the 30 counts, the carpets sure, and surface lifts, that sort of thing, uh, which certainly don't take as much maintenance. But yeah, we have, you know, th- what, three gondolas, a six pack, the, I don't even know, 10 detached quads or something like that. So you said three gondolas. So you count each section of the skyship as, as a, a gondola? Well, yes, they are. Yeah. So there's two separate lifts with two separate drives, two separate haul ropes, uh, totally different systems. And then... Like what we do on a daily basis is we launch one, launch by putting all the cabins out on one, get it totally ready, put all the cabins out on the other one, get it completely ready. And then the last thing we do is tie the two lifts together so the cabins go straight. No kidding. I never knew that. I always thought it was just one, one, I, I, I know, I know it hops off the line at, at Needle's Eye base. Right. Um, but I didn't realize you, you considered it too full. Different, yep. no. right? Because they can run completely independent of each other. Yeah. Uh, sometimes early season or late season, just the stage two, this from Needles Eye area, like you said, yep. up will be running. But so yeah, they're totally separate lifts. Okay. All right. You learn something new every day. Um, favorite lift to ride? Formerly Snowden Quad. 
Do you ever go over to uh, South? Is it Southridge? Is that what we're calling it? I like Southridge. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, that, that. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, my favorite chairlift to ride is the single chair at my River Glen. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I waffle on the single chair at Mad River because it's like you get on it and it's, it's, it's nice, but then then you're looking around and say like, Hey, how's your day going? Like, yeah, I got no one to talk to until you get to that mid station and the guy's playing the music and you're like, all right. But I I will say it keeps the snow really nice at Mad River when they, when they, when they have snow. Yeah. When they have. So that's, that's a whole nother topic. Um, so what, what, uh, your favorite run here at Killington? My favorite run is probably Cascade. Mine's double dipper. I said that last week to Mike. I think it, Mike's, Mike's favorite run was, uh, Mike Salamano was, uh, Cascade as well. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite spot for a beer after work? Moguls. I haven't been there in years. I, I, to be honest, I haven't either since okay. I have kids, but <laughs> okay. I, uh, I like the owners and I just like the place in general. Sure. Speaking of kids, um, we talked off air a while back about, you know, skiing with your kids and how it uh, opens up, kind of helps you kind of rediscover the mountain. Right. Talk to me about that. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a big rediscovery for me. Uh, as a family, we ski every Sunday over at Pico, uh, which we love. You know, just the the ambiance, like the like the the layout of Pico was perfect for kids. My guys are still kind of younger, but then just this past year, they really became more independent and were able to branch out, start doing the Peak to Creek was a big one for them to do this year. Skiing off a of Superstar, Skylark, Bittersweet, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, definitely like a rediscovery, especially of those kind of intermediate blues as it's challenging for them and fun to, I guess, revisit more for me. Sure. That's, that's, that's great. Um, so I, I think I'll, I'll know the answer to this question. You're in, you're in the superstar quad line and uh, you're a single and you can fill out the chair with three other people. Who are you filling it out with? Yeah, I, I'm filling it out with... Uh, my two boys and my wife, for sure. Good answer. Yeah, thanks. Good answer. Um, you were recently quoted and uh, and highlighted in a in a news story at forty two forty one stories killington dot com. Yep. Have you had a chance to look at it yet? Yeah, I checked it out the other day. Did you like it? Yeah, it's pretty good. How about the spinning hammer? Did you dig that? It's not my hammer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and on that note, Tim. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today on the podcast. Uh, you can check out Tim's story on 4241stories.killington.com. The title is Slippery Slopes. It's right there on the home screen. Uh, check that out if you will. Tim, thanks again, uh, and we'll see you on the slope soon. Awesome. Thank you. We now welcome Mike Salamano to the podcast. Mike is general manager and president of Killington Resort. He was also featured in episode one. Um, if you haven't listened to that, I recommend it. Mike, thanks for taking the time uh, once again to come on the podcast. Glad to be here. So by the time people get to listen to this, there's a good chance that Killington is open for this season. What does, what does opening day mean to you? Well, it's just the culmination of all the things we've worked on over the summer and you know worked on to improve from the previous year. So you know, for me, it's really exciting. It's sort of like um, kind of the same feeling you get like when I played sports and you get the little butterflies before the game. It's it's finally here. And, and once the guns are going and everyone shows up, it's pretty awesome. And it also just kind of sets the tone for the season. Will you take a few runs on opening day? 
Of course. Got to get a couple runs in first day up on rhyme. It's always fun. It is always fun. Um, on that opening day, uh, you know, people get in line. They, the word spreads that it's going to open and, and people get in line really early and they're, and they're so jazzed and there's such an energy. What do you think drives that passion? You know, that it, it seems so unique to Killington. I think part of it comes from one, one piece is the terrain that we have at Killington so different than others in the East. I think it, it brings a group that really wants to really challenge themselves and end up in this area. So I think some degree you naturally get a group that's a little more hardcore and really into skiing and riding. And, and therefore, when we're ready to go, they, they show up and they're pretty excited. For a few years, Killington kind of went away from, you know, opening early. What, what led to bringing that back, being the first to open? You know, we sat around with the, the management team thinking about what we could do to reinvent Killington. And, and that was really the, one of the more basic things of that's what makes Killington great. That is really a differentiator from us, from, from the rest of the competition in the East Coast, that we have the ability to open early and stay open late because of our terrain and our snowmaking. And, and the fact that we weren't really using that competitive advantage just didn't make a lot of sense to the team. And, and so we decided to uh, get focused back on being the first to open. And I would just say, it's not really about the first to open, you know, it's usually us or Sunday River or some other resorts that do that. We're a little less focused on being the first to open now. We want to make sure we open to some quality product, but, um, you know, we just want to make sure we get open as soon as we can. I know it takes a, a massive team to open for the season from the snowmakers to the lift ops that get people up to the, the top of rhyme. Do people ever take you aside and thank you personally? Yeah, I mean, it happens every, you know, pretty much every day, especially early season. That first day, people are so excited. And, you know, that's what I, I always want them, you know, to really thank the rest of the team. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I'm probably the one doing the least amount of work to get us open. And, you know, I always say, go over and tell the snowmaker, go talk to the lift attendant, thank them, you know, and I think that's great for our team to hear from our guests that they appreciate them, right? And sometimes they're working in really hard conditions, and it's really nice for, for our team to hear from our guests that they appreciate them. Uh, something that perhaps maybe some of the listeners don't know about is the 100-Day Club. Can you give us kind of a, a really quick brief overview on what the 100-Day Club is? Yeah, so really about nine years ago, one of our skiers, Rob Kovaleski, had sent me a message that he, it was his 100th day and he wanted to take a picture. He asked me if I would meet him at Bear Mountain and take a picture with him. And so I met him and we took our picture and I came back and I asked our marketing team, wow, that seems crazy. How many people ski a hundred days? And, um, you know, we looked into it for that year and it turned out that there were about 25 people that year that skied a hundred days. And we thought that's pretty amazing. And we should really come up with a way to recognize that group. How many people do ski a hundred days? Cause that seems like a lot of skiing. Yeah, I mean, so we, we implemented this 100-day club where you get a 100-day club hat and a sticker and some other things that you can only get if you're in the club. You had to actually ski that many days and you can't buy it. So we thought that would be kind of a cool thing. And as more people found out about it, more people have been joining and it's been growing every year. And uh, actually last year with COVID, a lot of people were in town. So uh, we got to over 400 people skied 100 days last year. The other thing that's interesting about last year is it tells us a lot of people were cheating when they were supposed to be on Zoom calls because it's pretty <laughs> impossible to ski 100 days and actually be working. So we I, know that all those employers out there should be a little careful when they think their their person's working remotely. Well, maybe, you know, since they're working remotely, maybe they just slip out for lunch. You know, a, a lunchtime ski is a beautiful thing or, or dip out of the yeah, office. Um, 
Exactly. I'm only kidding. No, I, a lot of people figured out how to do it. Right. And I think that's great. If you can, that's pretty awesome. If they can figure out a way to go out and enjoy their lunchtime on the mountain and, and then get back and be productive. It's truly a testament to perhaps how great the sport of skiing and snowboarding is, you know, I mean, uh, for people to want to do it every day for, you know, a hundred straight days or however many straight days over the season. I think that's what makes our sport kind of, kind of special. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, if you look back even last year, I think on day 100 means the first hundred days of skiing, we had about 20, I think we had 20 people that skied every day. So end of the year, you know, we're usually around 200 days. We had five people that skied every day. And if you've seen what the weather's like here on certain <laughs> days, it's probably harder to go ski on a couple of the rougher days than it is to go to work. So that's a pretty big commitment for that team. So you said the 100-day club started nine years ago. Has there been anybody that has been a nine-time 100-day clubber? Yeah, we actually have 11 people that have been in the 100-day club all of the first nine years. So we're hoping they can, they can make it into the uh, 10 year anniversary this year. And we'll have some pretty cool prizes for them. 10 by 10. That's a, that's a minimum of a thousand days of skiing in 10 years and probably closer to 2000 for some of them, I would imagine. Yeah. A lot of them are way over, you know, a hundred days. Sure. Sure. So is the plan for opening day to be open top to bottom? No, we're going to go back to our plan where we use the walkway. I mean, we could, you know, last year because of COVID, we decided to delay opening day a little bit. And we decided to wait till we got all the way snowmaking all the way down to the bottom and we ran multiple lifts. But, you know, our, our customers, as we talked about, are so passionate. They want to get out. And so, you know, we know we can make snow up in the Rhyme area and let people walk on the walkway up and down. And, and people like to do that. So we, we're planning to go back to that model. And we think that's the right thing. And Generally, well, we do that because we need to make snow up there anyway, and it and it takes more time to get all the way down to the to the bottom, and we want people to be able to go enjoy it instead of it just sitting there. So that's that's the plan. It's worked pretty well. I know some people like to wait till we have top to bottom, but for others, you know, I like to say it's the most beautiful stairmaster in the world. <laughs> that that it is. Um, are are you excited for opening day? Like, uh, do do you get excited for opening day? Oh, yeah. Opening day is amazing. It's just, you know, as you said, people line up ahead of time. I mean, I say to our team, I'm like, we can't make snow too early this week if we're not able to get open. Because if you if you start making snow, the group starts thinking we're going to open the next day and people start lining up and they start calling in sick to work. And, you know, we kind of mess up people's schedules. So, like, you know, it's hard because we can't really project you know, when we can open, because a lot of it depends on humidity and what the weather is going to be like. But, you know, the excitement is, is just so it's just so fun to see people showing up and you get up there and people have gotten there in the middle of the night to be the first one on on the line for the gondola. Do, do you know exactly how much time it takes to make enough snow to open? I mean, we've gotten open in 24 hours but you really need around the clock, good snowmaking tents. And we've got some really good temps this week, but during the day, they pretty, they become pretty marginal. So I, I'm not thinking it's going to take a couple nights at least. So um, it's, you know, definitely towards the end of the week, but uh, we're not going to go crazy and try to let people ski on like fast grass, as we say. You probably discourage people from hiking up and skiing that fast grass. We do. We love people to go up and, you know, do the uphill thing when we have more open. The problem is when we first open up, 
we've got a lot of equipment on the mountain. There's snowmaking guns everywhere. You know, there's hoses everywhere. It's pretty dangerous. And so we really want to make sure people have, um, or can wait till we can groom some of it out. You know, the, the snow is also pretty sticky. People don't realize that you're making snow in really high, really high humidity, as well as the fact that the pond that we're drawing out of is pretty warm. So, you know, the snow is not optimal at that time. So we really need to do a little work on it to make it better. And uh, it's not really great without putting a groomer on it first. You know, I never really thought about that. The, the, the water that you're drawing is, is probably nowhere near freezing. So, I mean, that would certainly affect snowmaking. One of the things we talk about here a lot is, you know, one is what is the temperature out, right? The second piece is what are the humidity out? Because those two together create what's called a wet bulb and the wet bulb tells us if we can make snow. And so obviously the lower the wet bulb, the better snowmaking is. So, you know, that's why when it's not very humid, you can make snow at, at, at higher temperatures. And the other factor this time of year comes in is what is the temperature of the water coming in to make snow? So there's a lot of factors going on. And you know, early season in November, it's definitely marginal a lot and it's definitely more humid and, and than we'd like, but you know, we, we can power through it. And power through it, the Killington snowmakers will. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining us on episode two of the Killington Download podcast. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Great. Look forward to seeing everybody on opening day. I look forward to being there as well. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for episode two of the Killington Download podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Tim Brosnan. If you have, do us a favor and consider subscribing. And even better, write us a review. I'm Justin Cash. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing you at The Beast.